0: Welcome to the BSN Nuggets podcast presented by Inwego, Denver's best subscription that allows you to go to as many events as you can for only $39 a month with no additional costs or fees. You heard that right guys, no additional fees on Inwego, literally hundreds of events for $39 a month. Here's what you're missing out on if you don't have Inwego, Nuggets vs. Jazz on Saturday at Pepsi Center, Beer Flights at Prost Brewing, Avalanche vs. Predators, CU vs. Washington State. Countless comedy shows at Comedy Works. There's literally something for everyone. If it's going on in Denver, there's a good chance that inwego can get you in. Here's where it gets good. We've partnered with InWigo to actually give BSN listeners a great deal. So if you go to InWigo.com backslash BSN, or if you download their app for free and use promo code BSN50 when you subscribe, you're actually going to get 50% off your first month. So all those events in Denver for under 20 bucks during your first month. If you try it, I guarantee you you're going to love it. So again, inwego.com/bsn or download the app for free and use promo code BSN50.
1: Welcome in to the BSN Nuggets Podcast, presented by Go.
0: Joined by a special guest, Mason Plummer. I thought he was gonna knock that ref out in LA. <laughs> Coaches will get testy with officials, but to run out onto the court and yeah. cut him off, yeah. I've never seen that before. You should have taken a charge on him. <point>. The BSN Nuggets podcast is presented by In We Go, the subscription that can get you into almost any event in Denver. Harrison Wind here, Thursday night, solo edition of the pod this evening. We got another win to talk about. The Nuggets, 110-91 over the Cleveland Cavaliers. The Nuggets are 7-1. and one. I can't believe it, to be quite honest, 7-1. I did not think at this point in the season, eight games in, we'd be talking about a team with just one loss. But the Nuggets are off to their best start since the 1976-77 season. They began the season 8-0 then, so they're not going to do that this time. But 7-1 and is still a heck of an accomplishment for this team through eight games. I thought they'd go 10-5 and through their first 15 with a home-heavy schedule, with the road games coming against some of these Eastern Conference teams that I thought the Nuggets should beat. But I didn't think they had 7-1 and in them through their first eight games. And the crazier part is... I still don't think the Nuggets have really put together a game where they've played four quarters of Denver Nuggets basketball. They haven't put together a game where they played four quarters like they did at the end of last year, maybe one of those games over the final month or final month and a half of the season last year. They've still had quarters like tonight's first quarter sprinkled in here and there over these first eight games, but uh, they're winning, and that's really all that matters in the end. I thought Michael Malone had a really profound comment after tonight's game. And I wasn't in Cleveland, but just watching it on the broadcast, like I'm sure most of you guys were. And he was asked, Wow, you guys are off to a 7 1 start, your best start in like 40 years. How do you react to that? And he said he doesn't really care. And I give him a lot of credit because he's really held firm on that stance throughout this whole first portion of the season. It's still early. We're still not even a month into the regular season. But you can tell from Michael Malone, and he's really set the tone, and the rest of his roster has fallen in line. These guys are thinking about the big picture. They're just thinking about the next game. And Mason Plumlee even said that after tonight's game, too. Yeah, they're 7-1. It's great. They're the number two seed in the West right now. They're one of four teams now that the Milwaukee Bucks lost here on Thursday night with one loss. They've been playing great. Their defense has been playing really well and held the Cavs to 91 points tonight. And I know it's Cleveland, but they deserve credit for that. And I'll talk about the defense a little later on. But this whole team and coaching staff has been in lockstep with one another saying, yeah, we're off to a great start. It doesn't mean anything. We haven't accomplished anything yet. We've got to play the long game and keep our goals in mind. That goal, obviously, being the playoffs. So a lot to get to on tonight's show. I believe I've got a couple questions on the Total Beverage Fan Hotline. For good reason, you guys want to hear and talk about Wancho's game tonight, and I don't think there's any better place to start. And so let's go to the Total Beverage Fan Hotline right now and hear from Zan.
2: Hey, guys. My name is Sam, and calling from Rochester, New York. Love the show, and thanks for everything you guys do. My question is in regards to Wancho, and now I don't mean to get ahead of myself just because of the great game that he had tonight, but just because of the great game he had tonight, I started to notice how Wancho really hasn't been playing a meaningful minutes consistently. I mean, we saw the DNP that he registered Uh, the previous night against Chicago. So I'm just curious because it seems like when he does play meaningful minutes that he does have a pretty big impact on this team. So I'm just curious on your guys' thoughts on if you see Wancho playing a consistent uh, role in this lineup from a reserve role, um, essentially him getting more meaningful minutes and providing – an even bigger impact off the bench. So I'm just kind of curious uh, on your guys' thoughts on um level of playing consistent minutes down the stretch um, as we go throughout the season. Uh, but again, thanks for everything you guys do and go Nuggets.
0: Thanks so much for the questions, Ann. Not sure if this is the first time you've called in or, or maybe the second, but definitely appreciate the call. And if you guys ever have a question for the show, it's the best way to get in on the conversation. Hit up that Total Beverage Fan Hotline, plug it into your phone, save it under your contacts, call us up after these Nuggets games. That's when we want to hear from you. 1-800-BSN-8394, 1-800-BSN-8394. So when it comes to Wancho, let's start at the beginning, because it's probably best to go back to the very first quarter tonight when looking at just the impact of his performance. The Nuggets' offense looked left for dead in that first quarter. They couldn't get anything going. It was funny because the Nuggets ran like a set play for Nikola Jokic to get the ball close to the basket. I believe it was on the left block. Their first play of the game, you could tell they had talked about it. You could tell Michael Malone called this play. They drew it up in the final timeout before they went out there. They wanted to get Jokic the ball early, and they got it to him right on the left side of the floor, close to the hoop, and he put it in. It was a beautifully executed play, and maybe you got some inkling then, hey, this is going to be the game the Nuggets offense rolls. This is the game they're going to put up 120, 130 points. I don't care that it's against Cleveland on the second night of a back-to-back. This is going to be the night where Nikola Jokic really has a bounce-back game. He's going to go for a triple-double, maybe 30 points against Tristan Thompson. Sure enough, Jokic plays 22 minutes finishes with 4.6 rebounds, 3 assists. The most minuscule stat line I can remember him putting up in quite a bit. The Cavs have just one win this season. The Nuggets are going to roll. They're really going to find their offense tonight. But then for the rest of the first quarter, they looked so stagnant. They scored just 15 points in that first quarter, and I don't think that was because the Cavs' defense was doing anything to stop them. The Nuggets just were not executing. Six of 17 from the field, one of six from three. They came into this game 29th in the league in three-point shooting. It looked like after that quarter, they were going to stay 29th or maybe even drop below Oklahoma City all the way to 30th. 15 points in a quarter. Quite frankly, it's hard to do as an NBA team. It's hard to only score... 15 points in a quarter, only two foul shots that quarter, six turnovers too. That was an absolute killer for them. And so after that quarter, you're really wondering, man, I know this is a back to back, but this Nuggets offense, there's still a lot of questions here for sure. But then Wancho comes in. He checks in in the second quarter and everything changes. The Nuggets start hitting threes. Their offense starts opening up. They put 35 points on Cleveland in that second quarter and really pull a role reversal. They hold Cleveland to 15 points in that second quarter. And Wancho, he was the catalyst. Like I said, he didn't play in Chicago. It definitely has seemed that through the first seven regular season games, he's been third on the totem pole for minutes between him and Torrey Craig and Malik Beasley. And I know Michael Malone, when I asked him after that Pelicans game, said that he's going to ride the hot hand between Wancho and Malik Beasley and Torrey Craig. Whoever has it that night, that's probably going to be the night where that guy plays around 30 minutes over these last couple games against the Pelicans, against the Bulls on Wednesday. It was Malik Beasley's night. He played really well. Tonight, Wancho kind of took that title early on in that second quarter. And sure enough, he winds up with 29 minutes on the night. But 6 of 10 from the field for Wancho, 5 of 8 from 3, 23 points for him, obviously a season high in 29 minutes, which is also a season high. So Zan asks, to go back to his question, is Wancho going to make a big and consistent impact, I guess, for this team with Will Barton out? And what I would say to that is, yes, I could see him having a consistent impact, carving out a spot in the rotation on a night-to-night basis over the next month, month and a half, two months. I don't know how long Will Barton's going to miss. There are a lot of reasons why I think he can do that. And what I've always said about Wancho, and if you've been listening to this podcast, you know that, is I've always felt like if he got a chance in the rotation, he could take that chance and run with it. He's such a rhythm player that he can get hot like tonight in a hurry. He can get hot like a Tory Craig, like a Malik Beasley can't. those guys can't catch fire. They can't find the rhythm that Wancho can because he's got such a beautiful shot. And friend of the show Adam Morris on Twitter put out that Wancho has the most beautiful shot on the Nuggets team tonight on Twitter. He's right about that. It's kind of like in Golden State how Clay has the most aesthetically pleasing shot, but Steph Curry is the best shooter. Like Wancho has the best-looking shot on the Nuggets, I think. Maybe Gary Harris is their best shooter, or maybe Nikola Jokic is. But Wancho's shot is so pure, he can catch fire in a hurry. And if he just gets that shot consistently, if he gains the trust of Mike Malone after a night like tonight and suddenly Malone says, Okay, Wancho, I, I don't think he's going to do this, by the way. I don't. I think he's still going to play the hot hand. And this was just one night. Like Malik Beasley had a killer game against the Pelicans. He had another great game against Chicago. Maybe the next game, maybe against Utah, it calls for Torrey Craig. I don't think it will, but I think what I'm getting at here is I believe Michael Malone will continue to play the hot hand. I don't think after a night like tonight, he's going to turn over that spot and pencil Wancho in for 30 minutes, 25 minutes a game but I think Wancho can get there in due time for a lot of reasons. One, he fits really well with the Nuggets starters, and without Will Barton, who also fits extremely well with the Nuggets starters, it's been a rocky process to find that guy, to find that fifth guy. Torrey Craig's played it, Malik Beasley's played it, and, and now Wancho has Obviously, Wancho only did this for one game, but if you're just looking at a you know, one game sample size, he probably did it the best out of anybody on this roster. Second's probably Malik Beasley. Third is Torrey Craig. Why does he fit so well with the starters? probably starts with his shot. If you can space the floor with four shooters, five shooters at the NBA level, you're going to be really hard to stop. And with Wancho alongside Nicole Jokic, Jamal Murray, Gary Harris, I know Jamal Murray hasn't been shooting the ball well this year, but you still got to respect his jumper. That's four-plus shooters. And then you have Paul Millsap as your fifth guy who, don't look now, but Paul Millsap's building some confidence from three. Was one-on-one tonight. Hit some threes against Chicago. Hit some threes against New Orleans. He put together a third straight quality outing tonight. But if you have four or five shooters on the floor at the same time, that's going to really open up your offense. And I think the ability that Wancho showed to stretch the floor tonight helped open up some other driving lanes, helped Gary Harris get to the basket, carved out some room for Paul Millsap to go to work down low. So you can see the byproducts of a guy at the three who you really have to respect his shot in Wancho. Another reason why I think we could see him gain consistent minutes eventually, and why his fit with the starters is so good. And I've talked about this before. He's such a quick decision maker. The minute he gets the ball, there's no hesitation. He knows as soon as he catches the ball, if he's going to catch it, if he's going to shoot it, or if he's going to drive. There's no hesitation when he catches it. He doesn't have to think, and that's something you see from time to time with the two other guys he's fighting for playing time against in Torrey Craig, in Malik Beasley, who will hold on to the ball at times, who will record scratch at times, and uh, who just kind of slow down the fast-moving Nuggets offense. Wancho just fits right in. He's such a quick decision maker. He knows what he's going to do before he catches the ball, and that really fits into the Nuggets offense well. So He fits with the starters better than a Malik Beasley, better than... A Torrey Craig and he's got some size too. You forget Wancho is a healthy six nine, uh, So he's quite a bit taller than both Malik and uh, Tory Craig. And, I mean, if he can play defense like he did tonight, man, it's going to be tough to keep him off the floor, especially if he's hitting shots. Now the bigger question is, and the question you guys are all probably wondering, and I guess I kind of alluded to this a little bit, but is Wancho possibly going to start at small forward after... A night like this, and I kind of teased this a second ago, but I don't expect Michael Malone's starting lineup to change. I expect that he'll have Tory Craig in there, but maybe what we see with Tory Craig, like we've seen over these past three games, maybe he gets Dante Jones. And that's a deep cut for you Nuggets fans who are watching this team in the mid 2000s. Dante Jones was this defensive minded two guard who started games for the Nuggets, would play the first six, seven minutes and then you wouldn't see him the rest of the half unless the situation really called for it, like if you were subbing in guys for a one defensive possession at the end of a quarter at, at the end of a game. So maybe we see Tory Craig get Dante jones tier. here. Like the classic one was when the Nuggets would play the Lakers, Dante Jones would match up on Kobe Bryant. He'd play him really hard for the first seven, eight, nine minutes of the game. You wouldn't hear from him for the rest of the half. So maybe they have that with Tory Craig where he starts games, and then you don't really see him. Maybe there's a spot, a couple minutes with the bench unit. Maybe he's on the floor for a defensive possession at the end of the second or third quarters, but you know, maybe you don't hear from him, and it's either Malik Beasley or Wancho closing with the starters until Will Barton gets back, of course. So uh, that's just a thought right there. Unless the Nuggets drop a couple games in a row, I don't anticipate Michael Malone really thinking seriously about changing the starting lineup. Like, the Nuggets are in a groove right now, and I have the feeling if Michael Malone were to change his starting lineup and then the Nuggets were to take a loss, I get the sense he'd be second-guessing himself and saying, God, why did I mess up our mojo by switching up the starting lineup like that? Why did I listen to Harrison Wynn's podcast telling me to switch up the starting lineup? So I do think there's a good chance that Wancho sees his minutes rise here. And you got to remember, he's had an interesting season already. This is a guy who was an afterthought last year after a really strong rookie campaign when I initially got really high on him as a prospect, and I am very high on him still as a two-way guy, as a shooter, as I don't know how much of a creator, but he can certainly get to the hoop. And I think the Nuggets are still relatively high on him as well. Remember that first preseason game though in San Diego against the Lakers when Wancho drops a Cool 19 points on 11 shots, 5 of 8 from 3, a really similar game to what he had tonight, to be quite honest, in 23 minutes. After that game, I go, hey, maybe with Isaiah Thomas on the mend, Wancho can be this team's instant offense off the bench. Now we've had to wait over a month, but here we are. So maybe it sticks. And I also think just as fit with the starters, it's so good. It's so much cleaner than the fit with Malik Beasley or... Torrey Craig. I got to go ahead and take a break right now. I've got some more thoughts on Wancho, and I think you're going to want to stick around to hear them. Stuff that doesn't have to do with basketball, and I think it's some good insight on the type of guy he is and why I do think he'll succeed as an NBA player. Be right back on the BSN Nuggets podcast.
1: Are you in search of natural relief from your daily stresses Well, Strava Craft Coffee is a CBD-rich, hemp-oil-infused coffee that is non-psychoactive, helps reduce pain naturally, keeps those coffee jitters away, and so much more
2: i started drinking it because i have degenerative arthritis and i would prefer to drink coffee that has natural ingredients in it for healing and this coffee treats the inflammatory process that happens from having degenerative arthritis
1: that was robin she's been drinking strava craft coffee every day for months now and she is so happy with the results
2: i would recommend it to america to everyone because it is a fantastic product it delivers it does what it says it's going to do and it's amazing
1: put your body back in balance with strava craft coffee and see how good you feel order online today and use promo code bsn 2018 for 20 percent off that's bsn 2018
0: welcome back to the bsn nuggets podcast presented by in we go harrison wind here thursday edition of the show Nuggets victorious in Cleveland, 110 91 their seventh win of the year. They're 3-1 and one on the road. It took them until November 20th last year to get their third win on the road. And with their struggles that they had away from Pepsi Center last year, remember that stretch in February, I believe? They had lost like 10 road games in a row dating back to the uh, like December or something. I'm not ready to say they're going to be this amazing team away from Pepsi Center, but it does seem like they've made some strides there for sure. So the other part of Wancho's night I wanted to talk about was what he had to say after the game, and props to Chris Dempsey on altitude for asking this question, but Chris asked him about not playing in Chicago the night before and just about staying ready, really not just so far this season, but even last season when he had the mono and was sick and... It took so long for him to get over that, and he was out of the rotation then could really never make it back in. But how do you just kind of stay ready and stay enthusiastic on the bench, keep pumping guys up on the court and off the court, just stay in a good mood when you know you think you should be playing, but you're not. And Wancho said, here's his quote, it's my team, three years right now with this team, with this coach. Right now, it's not about me. It's not about one player. It's about the team. We make the goal to make the playoffs. Every game counts. And then he went on to say, if the team doesn't need me, I just want to cheer. I just want to help the team talk with the guys. Just do my thing. That's a little glimpse into Wancho's personality and the type of teammate he is and how the rest of this Nuggets roster views him. Wancho's a really popular guy. Walking around practices, at shoot-arounds, locker room, before, after games, you rarely see Wancho without a smile on his face. And we always joke that he's always such a happy guy, he's always smiling. How can he be in this awesome mood all the time? But it, it just seems like that's the type of guy he is. And sure enough, he didn't play in Chicago, but all the talk was that, you know, th- this was a guy who was in the huddles, jacking his teammates up, being enthusiastic on the bench, lifting his guys up. And he's so committed. He's such an integral part of the chemistry of this team, I feel like. And he also just loves being a Denver Nugget. He loves this team. He loves these group of guys. And you probably won't find somebody on the Nuggets roster that's continually happier for other guys succeeding really at his expense than Wancho. I can guarantee you he was thrilled for Malik Beasley to have the last couple of games that he had. I can guarantee you he's Will Barton's biggest supporter when you know he has a big game off the bench last year, when he was taking playing time away from somebody like Wancho. If Tory Craig is called upon at the end of a game for a big defensive play and he gets a stop, Wancho is probably gonna be the first guy off the bench to go congratulate him. And so that's what's so great about Wancho and why it's really easy to root for him. And why all his teammates just want him to succeed. Because he sticks up for them. Because he supports them. And the chemistry that he provides off the Nuggets bench is on point. And you just really get the sense that he loves being a part of this team. He's committed to the bigger picture. Like in that quote I just rattled off, he's cognizant of the goals at hand for this team. And he wants to see this team get to the playoffs he loves being a Denver Nugget he loves being a part of this organization and so it's really cool to see guys like that have nights like he did tonight and it just so happened that tonight he played a bunch of minutes with the starters that group well actually not as many as I thought only four minutes for the starters and Wancho they were plus 10 you know in that time they killed it they went three or five from the field outscored their opponent 12-2 to in that span. So uh, we'll see what happens with Wancho. I could see a couple big more outbursts from him like this coming. But in terms of if he's going to be the starter for this team Saturday against the Jazz, I would be pretty surprised if he was. Let's go to the Total Beverage Fan Hotline for a question from Chris in Denver, kind of asking about some big picture stuff, which is a good transition here from Wancho. So let's go hear what Chris has to say.
3: Hey, it's Chris in Denver. Calling after a pretty big win. I think that's what this team needed. I think that's what the fan base needed. Uh, it was nice to see uh, a win that we could have left before the uh, before <laughs> halfway through the fourth quarter. Um, overall, I think everyone did well. The bench was great. Um, big game for the bench. A lot of guys got going. Lyles got going a bit. Wancho got going huge. Beasley did some good stuff. You know, I thought the starters looked good too. Paul Millsap put it put together, uh, you know, his third good game in the ro- in a row. Murray's looking better. Gary's great, obviously. I know Jokic's stat sheet wasn't, uh, you know, didn't really, you know, didn't really look all that impressive. But I thought after the first quarter, he got involved. Um, this actually did feel different. I mean, a, a lot of people are saying, you know, things feel different this year, and. You know, I'm I'm feeling that to an extent, but that second quarter was was something else. Uh, you know, it, shit happens. You're going to get down to bad teams. You're going to have bad runs, but you know, as long as you have the mental toughness to to turn it around, you know that's that's okay. And I think the Nuggets showed that tonight. Uh, big big ups to everyone. Malone, the bench, the starters, you name it what do you think going forward about this is there is there anything that we could draw from this is this fine is there you know are there any adjustments that that uh that the Nuggets can make if they have more games like this and uh fewer games like the Bulls game is, or is it just as simple as you know, the Bulls are better than the Cavs and uh you know last question more league-wide question who do you think gets traded off the Cavs? You know, watching them, it looks like they have a few pieces that some contenders could use to uh, to put together a run. That's it for me. Uh, you know, appreciate uh, appreciate the, the show. Keep up the great work. Thanks for taking my calls, and go Nuggets.
0: Thanks, Chris. A lot of good points there. You're right. This is, I guess, the Nuggets' first big blowout win of the season, and teams need wins like this. You thought for a couple quarters – Maybe they'd blow out the Kings by 20, 30 points, but sure enough, the Kings uh, kept things close. Hey, that's the 6-3 and three Sacramento Kings that uh, nearly made a heck of a comeback against the Nuggets last week at Pepsi Center. They've been one of the surprising stories from the beginning of the year. But the Nuggets, yeah, this is a good blowout win for them over a team they were clearly better than a team they just outclassed tonight, and so it was good for them to get one of these under their belt. What can we draw from this, Chris, and what can we take away from this? I think there's a couple different things that have to do with a bigger picture than just, hey, Wancho can really shoot the ball. Hey, the defense looks good. Paul Millsap looks like he's getting in the rhythm. All those things are true, but this is something I've seen in each of these last two games. You look at Wednesday in Chicago, and I spoke about this on Wednesday's recap show, so this might be a little redundant for some of you who listen to it. But for those of you who haven't, and to further make my point, there is a time in that fourth quarter where I think the Bulls scored like six unanswered points or took a six-point lead late in that fourth quarter. And the 2017 Nuggets, the 2016 Nuggets, they would have rolled over right then on the road, hey, we're away from Pepsi Center. This is the start of a road trip. We got another game tomorrow. Let's pack it in. That didn't happen against Chicago. And I lead with that because you look at how the first quarter developed tonight in Cleveland, and I rattle off the stats from that first quarter a couple minutes ago, but I will again. 15 points for the Nuggets, they were outscored by 12 that quarter. They shot 6 of 17 from the field, 1 of 6 from 3, 6 turnovers to 4 assists. They got out-rebounded ninth to 12 that quarter. I think the 2016 Nuggets or the 2017 Nuggets say, hey, it's just not our night. Oh, it's the end of a road trip. Let's just make sure nobody gets hurt. Let's get back to Denver and prepare for the Jazz on Saturday. I think an older Nuggets team from a year or year or two ago would have done that. Not this Nuggets team. That's where I think the biggest difference is in this group. I don't think it's on the defensive end, even though this defense is much better than it was last year, and I still think the regression is coming. It didn't come tonight when they held the Cavs to 91 points on 41% shooting and 28% shooting from three. They're still the fourth-ranked defense in the league, but I do think it's coming eventually, where Denver settles in at around a league average team, which will still be a huge story. Don't get me wrong, that's a huge storyline to go from what they were last year to a league average defense. All that's well and good, but the fact that this team is facing so much adversity this season in the early going and not only overcoming it, but overcoming it to put together a couple road wins. And I know they weren't over teams that are going to be contending for the playoffs this year. The Bulls and the Cavs will both probably finish to the bottom of the Eastern Conference, but I don't think you see this type of Nuggets effort in recent years. So that's what I think we can take away from these last two wins. And again, Thursday against the Cavs, I think if the Nuggets have that first quarter last season on the road, on the last game of a road trip, on the second half of a back-to-back, maybe you see Tyler Lydon and Devon Akun Purcell, a little earlier than with just like five or so minutes ago in the fourth quarter. Your last question, Chris, who gets traded off the Cavs? Well, it's probably J.R. Smith, the guy who said at practice on Thursday that he hoped he would get traded. So he's probably going to be gone. I don't know what you could possibly get for him. I don't know who would want him right now, but I assume he'll land somewhere. I wouldn't be shocked if Kevin Love was dealt either. And I wouldn't be shocked if he's dealt to a Western Conference team who looks at the landscape of the West and goes, hey, if I can acquire a player like Kevin Love, I could really have a good shot at getting home court advantage in the first round. Look at the Lakers. They're probably not going to be contenders for home court advantage, I don't think, unless, hey, maybe they get Kevin Love. Maybe that's the team who gets Kevin Love. But maybe if you're like a Portland, you want to capitalize on this hot start. Maybe if you're in New Orleans and you want to throw all your eggs in the basket of Kevin Love, I, I just have a feeling we're going to see him on a Western Conference playoff team, not name the Nuggets, <laughs> might I say. But thanks for the question, Chris, as always, and I want to remind you guys again, the Total Beverage Fan Hotline, 1-800-BSN-8394, 1-800-BSN-8394. Let me go ahead and take another break. On the other side, we got one more question to get to. It's about Mike Malone and his coaching staff. And I want to talk about Paul Millsap some more. So we'll be right back on the other side right here on the BSN Nuggets podcast.
1: Arthur and the folks over at Elixinal's mission is to educate, inspire, and empower others to live naturally healthy, happy lives. To learn more and join the CBD conversation, check out elixinol.com.
0: Welcome back to the BSN Nuggets podcast presented by In We Go. Harrison Wynn, Thursday edition of the show. Let's go back to the Total Beverage Fan Hotline. An interesting question I thought about how coaching staffs are structured and how the Nuggets are structured. Let's go there right now.
4: Hey, guys. This is Ray from Maryland. I had a quick thought about uh, Michael Malone and his relationship with the assistant coaches. Uh, So what I've noticed is a lot of coaches have a favorite side of the ball. Some coaches like offense. Some coaches like defense. And guys behind them have to, uh, for the best outcome for the team, fit into that calculation. And I, I think what we see a lot with the Rockets right now is losing Jeff bizdelic last year is kind of having a lot of impacts for them defensively this year, of course, along with the loss of certain players. But uh, do you guys think that – I know we talked about Chris Finch leaving and that the transition wouldn't be that seamless. And, of course, Mike Malone is – the head of things, and it's not like Michael Malone can't run offense at all, but do you think having an offensive specialist kind of behind him allows the team to really focus in on on those offensive details as well as the defensive? Uh, What do you guys think? Thanks, and I appreciate the time. Bye.
0: Thanks for the question, Ray. I think I get what you're trying to ask here, and I'll just kind of go over from what I know structure-wise, goes on within the Nuggets coaching staff. I think all head coaches probably have a hand in both their offense and defense, but Michael Malone certainly does. He's got a big hand in the defense. He's got a big hand in the offense. If you're looking for an assistant coach on the Nuggets staff that's primarily defensively focused, I'd look at Wes Unseld Jr., the guy that sits to Michael Malone's left. If you're looking for an assistant coach who's more offensively inclined i would look to michael malone's right in david adelman the guy who's sitting in the chair that was vacated by the guy you mentioned chris finch does it help that you know you have offensively focused and defensively focused coaches i think it does because that's how a lot of teams are set up typically you have your head coach who's got a hand in each pot, but still has to do head coaching things like substitutions and calling timeouts and calling plays on the fly and whatnot. So it's good to have and it's good to delegate guys to focus on offensive stuff and defensive stuff, I think. And obviously, all coaches chip into whatnot. It's not like if you have an offensive guy in your staff, he doesn't know anything about coaching defense. It's not like you have a defensive guy in your staff, he doesn't know anything about coaching offense. But uh, I think it's good to have specialists like that. And you're seeing that more and more in the NBA. And I don't think it's going to get to the point that it is in the NFL, obviously, when you have an offensive coordinator who doesn't do anything defensively and a defensive coordinator who doesn't really operate on the offensive side of the ball. But they're kind of moving more and more in that direction. Really, every team across the NBA, it seems to be more and more of a trend, but you know, coaches are well-versed. Uh, they've come up coaching both sides of the ball, so uh, I think it's a good thing. The Nuggets have that a little bit, I believe, and, and I think it's a trend you're seeing throughout the league. Thanks for the questions, guys. Great questions today. I'm sorry if I couldn't get to yours. It's tough to fit in more than three to uh, a show that we do on the daily, but if I didn't get to your question today, I'll probably throw it in Friday's show if I'm not too overloaded with questions from the fan hotline there. I want to end here by talking about Paul Millsap and his game tonight and what he's been able to do over these last three games specifically because this season has already been a roller coaster for Paul Millsap. It did not start out the year how he wanted it to. He did not have a touch on the offensive end from three, from the mid-range where he's made a lot of money in this league, or even close to the hoop. He was terrible around the rim to begin the year, just did not have a ton of confidence there. And, And you could tell he was being hard on himself. You could tell he was frustrated. He would tell you he's frustrated. He had this great quote after the Nuggets loss to the Lakers when he goes three of nine. And he was asked about his slump. That was really when he was in the dark depths of that slump. And he said, you wonder why it happens. You want to slap yourself. But his overall point was, you just got to keep your head down and go back into the gym the next day. And it was such a Paul Millsap quote because this guy, Paul Millsap, he is all business all the time, right? He's not a guy like Wancho, who's a super happy-go-lucky guy, who's always in a good mood, uh, who's always jumping up and down. And yeah, Paul's a veteran. He's been around the block. He's been through slumps like this before throughout his career, he, and he knows what he's got to do to pull out of them. But he is so serious in all business all the time. Sure enough, he's pulled out of the slump. Three straight games where I think Paul Millsap has really been a factor on the offensive end of the floor. 6 of 12 against New Orleans for 18 points. 8 rebounds in that game, too. He was also 2 of 4 from 3. 8 of 13 against the Bulls on Wednesday. 19 points, 6 rebounds, 3 blocks. So 1 of 2 from 3. Tonight against the Cavs, 6 of 9 from the field in just 21 minutes. 1 of 1 from 3, 6 rebounds, an assist to steal, and 16 points. He's shooting it efficiently. He's got that touchback around the rim. He's... In a zone for mid-range, you know, how much does he love to put the ball on the floor and create his offense that way, whether he's getting to the hoop or to the line or uh, pulling up for one of those mid-range jumpers? He's able to do that now. Most importantly, he's hitting from three. And he started out the year cold, cold from three. He did not have a ton of confidence there. Defenses were leaving him open. They weren't respecting his jumper. They were sagging off both him and Torrey Craig when playing against that starting group, he's got some confidence from three right now. And that's huge for the Nuggets. It's huge for this starting lineup. Because if you got to respect Paul Millsap's jumper, and if you have to think about Torrey Craig's jumper, and that was some more good news from tonight. Torrey Craig hit a three, which he hasn't done a lot of this season. But if you really got to respect Paul Millsap's jumper and go out and guard him there, it's going to do wonders for this Nuggets offense. And I have a feeling if he is confident in his three, he's going to be confident in his jumper, which really opens up the rest of his floor game. So I've been really impressed with what I've seen from Paul Millsap over these last three games. And if he can keep this going against Utah, that's going to be huge because the Nuggets will certainly need offense from every direction against the Jazz who have a great defense. They had a great defense last year. The Nuggets have been slightly better than them in defense this year. Utah's currently the 7th ranked defense giving up 106.3 points per 100 possessions. The Nuggets are giving up 102 points per 100 possessions. The Nuggets held another team under 100 points tonight. I believe they've held every team except the Lakers under their season average when it comes to points total, and they did that again with the Cavs, and now they've held four teams under 100 points on the year. Their first three games of the season, all wins. Clippers, Suns, Warriors held them all under 100, and now the Cavs 291 points. Some more notes as we wrap up here. I thought Mason Plumlee was really good tonight. Again, he's quietly putting together a great season. It's a plus 16 In 22 minutes, the best plus-minus on the team besides Wancho. 11 points, 6 rebounds, 3 assists, and a huge block. An absolutely enormous block from him. Trey Lyles had a solid night, I thought. Double-digit plus-minus from him. He was a plus-10, a 12-and-8 from Lyles on 5 of 13 shooting. Still cannot find the stroke from 3, though. You would think that's going to turn around pretty soon here. Monte Morris was solid in this one, again, like he's been. Malik Beasley, he made a couple mistakes that stood out tonight, but was solid for the most part. Four assists for him, and the bench was great. The bench as a whole was great tonight, and really nice showing for them. Really just outclassed a Cavs bench that is hanging on by a thread. My David Nawaba prediction did not come true. He only played 10 minutes, one of one from the field. He finished with four points and two rebounds. I think that's all the time that I've got for tonight, guys. Let me know what you think on the Total Beverage Fan Hotline, 1 800 BSN 8394. Let me know what you think on Twitter. If you want to send me an email too, it's another way I communicate with you guys. And with that, I'll be back with another episode tomorrow. Talk with you then.